Well, good morning. Welcome home to Cassidy Church. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the honor and privilege of being the lead pastor here. Uh, and it is a great joy to be here, to be able to come and celebrate Jesus Christ as we walk through the story of God's love. We're, for the past couple of weeks, we've been on a new sermon series called The Long Story Short, and we're walking through the entirety of the Bible. And, and, and obviously, in 13 weeks, we're not talking about every story, but you are invited to come along. And, and if you're new here, you picked a great time to visit. You are welcome here. We are excited that you are here. Uh, if you have any questions, all you have to do is find somebody with one of those cool orange lanyards. And if you want one of those, I can hook you up. Uh, but with a cool orange lanyard, and they may not know the answer, but they can point you in the direction of somebody who does. And so with that, uh, if you're joining us online, I'm excited to have you here uh, joining us via podcast. However you're joining us, I'm glad that you are here with us. So this morning, we're going to continue this story, this long story short. And I'm excited uh, because it, it is the, the narrative of God's love for us. And, and last week and the week before, we talked about that we want three things to come out of this entire series. First, I want you to know God a little bit better. And second, I want you to understand a little bit more about His radical love for us and the story that He unfolds for us through the Bible. And third, I want us to see ourselves in this story that God has for us, because it is such a rich story, and if we're living our lives apart from God's story, we are missing out. And so this morning, we're going to jump back in, and we're going to work our way up to and through the very beginning portion of Exodus. But in order to get there, I have to do a little bit of catch-up, because last week, we ended with a guy called Abraham. And we talked about how uh, God has chosen Noah, the man Noah, and a family, Abraham, to launch a nation, Israel. And we're going to meet that nation today because that's what the Exodus is all about. But we left with Abraham, and there is a lot of stuff that happens in between Abraham and the Exodus. And so we're going to just take a look at, at some of the highlights. First, Abraham's son, Isaac. Uh, you may remember the story of Isaac being uh, that God told Abraham, take your son and, and sacrifice him to me as a test. And God takes Isaac. And before he sacrifices Isaac, uh, a lamb is revealed in the thicket. And God reveals something about himself to Abraham that he is not like the other common gods and does not want a blood sacrifice of his own family, but instead offers away. But you'll notice that it was a lamb that was in the thicket. That's important for our story uh, that continues this morning. This, then Isaac has two sons, uh, Jacob and Esau. Esau isn't highly thought of in the Bible. Um, uh, he's described as a man who was like a donkey. Uh, and I don't know if that's because he was hairy like a donkey or uh, if he was just kind of a, the other word for a donkey. Anyway, uh, I'm not sure what it was. But in some way, uh, that's, that's Jacob. And they were twins. But Jacob is not really all that great either. Jacob is kind of a sly guy. His mom is sly. Uh, and so he steals his older brother's birthright. Now, they're only older by uh, coming out of the womb by like moments. But he steals his older brother's birthright. Uh, and there's a little, a little issue that, that is raised with that, right? There, there's some unhappiness in the family. Uh, and so Jacob flees because his brother wants to kill him. Later, they're reunited, and, and that brings the family back together. But now Jacob is really in charge of the family. And in the process of this, Jacob wrestles with God, and God changes his name to Israel. 
So he's known as both, and this is where the Israelites take their name from. Maybe we didn't know that. Maybe that's our first piece of information, but that's where the Israelites take their name from. And so Jacob wrestles with God, uh, and Jacob has 12 sons. And of those 12, his favorite, you know, as parents, we're not supposed to play favorites. Parents, I'm just throwing that out there. But Jacob had a favorite, and his favorite son was his youngest son, Joseph. And he made this really nice cloak of many colors. There's a movie about it, several actually. But Jacob, uh, Jacob lavishes his love and appreciation on Joseph, and that makes his brothers a little jealous. Joseph rides the wave. He's like, Dad loves me better. Um, you know, probably that's scriptural. Um, maybe not. But he, he, he rides this wave and tries to get all of the, uh, the brothers to recognize just how important he is. And, and I don't know if you've had siblings, but that rubs them the wrong way. Now, they respond way poorer than most of our siblings do. They're like, let's kill him. Uh, however, instead of killing him, they take the nicer route of selling him into slavery. Uh, hopefully, this is not how your sibling relationships ended up. Uh, but Je Joseph is sold into slavery in Egypt, and he goes to Egypt, and then there's a famine in the land, and Joseph has risen from being a slave and then being in prison to being number two only to Pharaoh. Only Pharaoh was more important than Joseph, and Joseph's family comes, and they are reunited after uh, some some conversations, we'll put it that way, uh, they're reunited and, and they move to Egypt to, to weather the famine. Now, they stay in Egypt for 400 years. I don't know if, if, uh, if you knew that or not, but in the process of that 400 years, uh, Pharaoh forgets who Joseph was and Joseph's important role. And, and what happens then is Pharaoh decides, hey, I've got a whole bunch of folks that aren't Egyptian, that could be doing work for us. And so they enslave the, the Israelites uh, so that they can, they can be a slave labor force for Egypt. And that's kind of where we pick up 400 years later. But before we start in our story to Exodus, I wanted to ask you a question. Have you ever gone through life thinking that you knew something intricately, that you, you, know, you, you know exactly how this goes or, or the story or whatever, only to find out later in life that you had that completely wrong, that you were, you were on the wrong side of that. Let me give you some examples. I looked through these. Uh, the, the Twinkie. Um, it's so yummy looking, right? I know. Uh, so here, here's the deal. In every post-apocalyptic movie out there, you see somebody like 70 years later and they find Twinkies in, a, in an antiquated gas station and they're eating the Twinkies. So these things must have a shelf life of like 7 million years. And honestly, though, they're only good for 45 days. And, and as a flower product, that's still pretty impressive. But only 45 days. Who knew? My, my whole uh, post-apocalyptic imagination has been doused out by that. Here's another one, the microwave. Most people, uh, not, not most people now, but a lot of people used to think that the microwave cooked from the inside out, that it started on the inside and cooked to the outside, and that is not the way that the microwave worked. It cooks from the outside in just like uh, a regular oven, just using microwaves instead of heat waves. Uh, here's, here's one that you may, uh, maybe, maybe one or two of you know this band. This is uh, Iron Butterfly. Let's hear it for the first rock and the first hard rock heavy metal band ever. Uh, they wrote a song, uh, and in the process of writing the song, one bandmate was trying to explain to the other bandmate uh, the name of the song, and the other bandmate, uh, maybe there was something else involved, but 
Instead of in the Garden of Eden, they call it Inagata Davida. I'm, I'm sure that there was nothing illicit going on. Uh, here, here's another one. Uh, this one you might not know. Uh, this is ancient Roman statues and ancient Greek statues were very rarely ever white marble left alone. They were always painted. I didn't know that. I was like, oh, that, and it looks weird. <laughs> uh, you know, if you get up there, you're like, Julius, uh, you look creepy. So anyway, and that's uh, Alexander the Great, but that's okay. Uh, anyway, uh, here's, here's the one that, this one crushed my childhood. Uh, and, like I, now I'm questioning a lot of things, uh, is the sound of music. You may know the song Edelweiss. Edelweiss is this beautiful song. And to me, this is the national anthem of Austria, but no, it's a show tune made for Sound of Music. So that means in my childhood, I walked around singing show tunes. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. Uh, but it, uh, that just kind of... And, and while I'm going through this list, I'm sure this isn't an exhaustive list. You're probably sitting out there thinking of something that you know that you have done in this same way, that you misunderstood, uh, and, and, and then later in life, you came to understand it a little bit better. And here's the reason that I bring this up, is I think that far too frequently, we as Christians or Christ followers do the same thing to the book of Exodus. That we look at Exodus as the, the story of the 10 plagues and of the children of Israel leaving, leaving Egypt and being liberated, and we forget the rest of the story. Did you know that Exodus is 40 chapters long, and in the first 12 chapters, uh, the, the children of Israel are leaving Egypt, and it, by the 14th chapter, they've crossed through the Red Sea, and I had somebody come up and say, well, what do they do for the rest of the chapter, or the rest of the book? Well, we're going to find, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> we're going to find out. So here's the deal. That, that's the thing, is we look at the story of Exodus, and we don't necessarily see the entirety of the story of Exodus. We look, and we only see a bit or a piece. And so I want us to, uh, to take a little trip. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's down memory lane, because you are very familiar with the story of Moses. Uh, maybe some of you, this is the first time that you've heard it, but I want to Take us uh, from Moses' birth all the way up to Moses' calling and the plagues. And next week, we're going to talk about the covenant. And so we're going to have to split Exodus in two sections. So here's, here's the deal. Moses is born in a time when Pharaoh is concerned about the amount of, of Hebrew babies that are being born. And just so everybody is on the same page, when I say Hebrew or Israelite, they're the same people uh, called by different names. So it's, it's the same group. Later, they, they start calling themselves the Jews when they start the religion of worshiping God. Uh, so all three of those kind of work uh, in tandem through the Old Testament. So here's what we have. Moses is born during that time, and, and Pharaoh says, uh, there are too many babies being born to these, these uh, Hebrews, and we want to cut that. We don't want them to revolt. And so he says, all of the firstborn, or not firstborn, all of the males are, are to be put to death. All, all the babies that are born are to be put to death. Now, Moses' mom, not so excited about this, um, and so she comes up with a plan, and she puts Moses in a basket in the Nile, and they float him. This is a very familiar story. Uh, goes up to Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter plucks Moses from, well, actually a, hand, a hand servant plucks Moses from the Nile, and she takes him into her, her household, which is Pharaoh's household. 
So Moses grows up entitled and privileged, but Moses also knows where he came from. It's not a surprise that he is not Egyptian, that he is Hebrew. They know his lineage because uh, he was nursed by a Hebrew wet nurse, uh, actually his mother, <laughs> oddly enough. And so what happens is Moses grows up and knowing his heritage, and he comes across a scene when he's older of a, a Hebrew being beat by an Egyptian, and Moses steps in to intervene, and there's an altercation, and the Egyptian is killed. Now, Moses expects, hey, they're going to appreciate this. The, the, the Israelites are going to know that I did something good, but they kind of call him out on it. Uh, and, and so he flees. He runs uh, through the desert and finds a new life. He's a second career guy. Uh, his second career from being prince to being shepherd. Um, <laughs> sounds familiar. Uh, but he, he goes over there and he falls in love and he becomes a shepherd. And one day while he's out, he notices with his sheep uh, this strange scene that, that Pastor Suzanne was talking about of a uh, of, uh, burning shrubbery. I use that word for Monty Python's sake. God bless you. Um, and so this burning bush uh, speaks to Moses, and Moses goes up and says, hey, i got to see what's going on, interacts with this bush, and the bush is just a, a, a representation of God doing something uh, in Moses' presence. And God says to Moses, hey, I want you to go and rescue my people. Now, I'm going to go with you, and we're going to do signs and wonders. And like Suzanne said, Moses was a little argumentative. Uh, I don't speak very well. I'm, I'm plain. I don't do all these things well. And so God gives in and says, okay, take your brother with you, whatever it takes, man, let's go. Uh, but he eventually... Uh, lets him know exactly what he wants from him. And so uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I want, I'm going to encourage you to open it to Exodus chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 2 through verse 8. If you have it online, that's cool. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have Bibles for free right outside the doors, and I would encourage you just to grab one. You don't have to sign up for anything. Just pick it up and take it with you. Out of the, uh, so for the past couple of weeks, we've been doing this as well. So out, out of uh, honoring God's word, I'd like to invite all who are able to please stand and read with me. In the book of Exodus, it says this, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians were enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment." I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Friends, this story is just a picture of what God is sending Moses to do. So Moses has found himself uh, a new career and separated himself from his old life of, of being a prince. And now God says, I want you 
to go back. I have chosen you to go back. And, and we know this story. I, I don't know if one of my favorites when my kids were growing up was the Prince of Egypt. It's a cartoon version of the story. And it's so profound because it's, it just paints a, a great picture. And, and you see all of the things that God does through Moses. And first, Moses goes back, sees his, his buddy Pharaoh, uh, and explains to Pharaoh, hey, God has sent me. I want you to let his people go. And Pharaoh, oddly enough, uh, turns down God, Moses' offer uh, and, and decides, I'm going to keep uh, the slaves that I have, this free labor force. I'm going to keep them and know they're not going to go with you. And so Moses turns to God and God says, all right, let's begin this working of great signs and wonders that I am here with you. And he starts and has the, the Nile River turn to blood. And then there's the plague of frogs. And then there's lice or gnats. And then there's flies that infest everything. And cattle are, are begin to die. And then there's boils that begin appearing on people. And then flaming hail. And through all of this, Pharaoh remains steadfast in his view, and then locusts come, and there is a, a, a darkness that spreads across the land. Now, that's nine of, and we went through that really quickly, so if you read through it, it takes a little bit more than a second to get through it, but that's nine of the plagues, and I want to stop because the tenth plague paints us a picture that, that does something that uh, I don't know if we all catch. It acts as a linchpin between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the story of, of Moses and the story of Jesus. And the reason is because of what happens for that 10th plague. Maybe you remember it's the plague of death that comes through for the firstborn. And so I want you to hear these words. This is from Exodus 12, 7. Uh, after Jesus, or God has told Moses, hey, take a lamb and you're to prepare it. You're to have a, a special meal with it, but eat it with your cloak tucked in and with your staff in your hand and your sandals on your feet ready to go because you are going to be liberated tomorrow. A Pharaoh will set you free. But this is what you are to do after you slaughter the lamb. They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Now, this is not a typical practice, right? I hope that you're not uh, rubbing blood on, on every, every... Never mind. So, uh, not a typical practice. We'll go back with that. And, and what we have is the, a, a picture of something because the angel of death is going to come over the land of Egypt and st stop and be not be prevented, but not go to where there is blood on the doorpost. It says this in Exodus 12, 12, and 13, on the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, fir firstborn of both animal and people. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and I will see the blood, and I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Now, when we first started this series, I mentioned the Passover, and it's important for us because we need to understand that Moses points the way to Jesus. Moses and Jesus do so many of the same things. In a moment, I'm going to tell you some of those, but this is the core of it, that Moses uses the blood of a lamb as the Passover, and God uses the blood of Jesus, his lamb, 
for us to be passed over from sin and death. That's the gospel of Christ, the story that connects the Old Testament and the New Testament together. And so I want you to hear, maybe you're sitting out there and you're like, well, that's one, one similarity, but there are so many similarities that we get between Moses and Jesus. We have 400 years of slavery that Moses and his people have endured, and there have been 400 years of silence before Jesus comes on the scene. Moses escaped death as an infant from Pharaoh, and Jesus escaped death as an infant from Herod. Moses left uh, being a prince of Egypt to go and live in the desert to come back and free those enslaved by Egypt, and Jesus left his heavenly kingdom to come and free those enslaved by sin and death. Moses came out of Egypt and Jesus returned from Egypt. There were 40 days in the wilderness and 40 years in the wilderness. Moses fed the Israelites in the desert with manna from heaven and Jesus fed the 5,000. Moses split the sea and Jesus calmed the sea. Moses held up a bronze cross on which there was a bronze serpent and all who looked on it were healed of their affliction. Jesus was raised up on a cross, and all who say, call on His name are not healed from affliction, but healed from sin and death. This is the linchpin that God has between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God is foreshadowing in Moses the gift we have in Jesus, that the Passover lamb that they use, this one-year-old lamb without blemish that is used by the Israelites is the Passover lamb we celebrate in Jesus Christ who is given for us and his blood washes not just our doorposts but our very lives. We are transformed because of the gift that we receive in who Jesus is. Friends, these similarities are not accidental. Moses pointed the way to Christ and through Christ we have been given freedom not just from sin, uh, not just from uh, slavery, but from sin and death itself. And this is the gift that we have and why it is so important for us to recognize this story of Jesus. Because if you don't know what the Passover is all about, when we celebrate Holy Communion, you don't get what's going on because the communion meal is a Passover meal where they're celebrating this very thing before Jesus surrenders himself before Pilate and is ultimately crucified for us. So really for us, uh, that's going to end our, our story time together, but what, what, what does that leave uh, for us? What, what are we going to do with what we just heard? And, and what does it mean for you? Uh, what are you going to do to be different because of what you just heard? Was there some truth in that that you didn't know that can change your very life? Will you let it? That's a question. Now that you know that God has done all of this for you, will you let it change you? Will you let that be a transforming agent? Will you let this God who throughout the ages has been writing his story of love into your life and to help change you from the inside out? Unlike a microwave, Jesus really does work from the inside out, right? Is this, is this a truth that can change things? And my hope is that as a community of faith, that we will be so transformed by God's gift of grace in Jesus Christ that, that we are, are, are something that the world takes notice of 
And I, I pray that all the time, that God will use us in Cassidy in some crazy way that the world takes notice, and that Christian County takes notice, and that this community of faith takes notice of, and that in each of your homes, there is a notice that something is different, and that difference is the gift that God has given to each and every one of us, that we are life and living proof that God is with us. Let us go to God in prayer. Holy One, we have come together to celebrate who you are, and you deserve celebration because you have done so much. From the beginning, you have been working to redeem us and bring us home. You liberated the slaves in Egypt, and you liberate our very lives. Thank you for this amazing story that you have woven through the course of time. Help us to embrace your story. Help us to be a part of your story so that by your transforming love, we act on your behalf, that we become your hands and your feet and we make a difference in this world for you. Father God, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would draw us together, that we would be drawn together with you, Father God, but also drawn together in community so that by a bond of your love and grace, we would grow stronger together so that we could go into your world proclaiming the good news of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We pray all of this in your name, and everyone agreed and said, amen. amen.